Greetings, everyone. A very warm welcome back to another edition of the Hubdo Podcast. We talk with software vendors, subject matter specialists, and end users who share real stories of how to do more on HubSpot. I'm your host, Pete Nichols. I'm in Copenhagen in Denmark, and I'm joined today by HubSpot specialist, Mads Jorgensen. Mads, very good day to you. Where are you today? Hi, Peter. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be here. I'm, uh, I'm based in, uh, in Amsterdam, but actually from, uh, from Denmark, not too far from where you are. You're sitting at the moment. Yep, not far away and, uh, and culturally, no distance at all. So um, we're talking HubSpot today. And for our listeners, if you haven't heard of or, or don't know Mads, uh, Mads is a former HubSpot employee and is now a HubSpot freelance CRM consultant for scaling HubSpot customers and HubSpot partners. And Mads, I'm delighted that you are a specialist on Hubdo Marketplace because that means you can help more people to do more on HubSpot. So we have a topic for today, Mads, which is um, building the base of your HubSpot and CRM strategy. Let's kick off by talking about, as a freelancer now, Mads, what is your ideal typical customer and what problems are they trying to solve? Big question, Pete, uh, but let's, uh, let's, let's break it down. Um, my, my customers kind of fall into uh, to two buckets, one of two buckets. So it's either uh, HubSpot partners uh, who want to kind of uh, utilize freelancers like myself to, to scale in a more flexible way without having a lot of uh, kind of fixed overhead costs um, and also maybe be able to take on uh, projects, uh, implementations and so on that may fall slightly outside of their kind of core competencies. Um, so most of my work is actually with, uh, with, with HubSpot partners across the world, uh, typically like Platinum or Elite Partners. Um, the other bucket is, uh, is normal uh, HubSpot customers that are using HubSpot products Typically, someone who has gotten onboarding from uh, maybe a smaller agency or HubSpot uh, previously, but may not have gotten the right support from the get-go and have kind of been using HubSpot for a while without, without really getting the, the value that they were initially kind of expecting from the, the quite sizable investment that, that HubSpot really is. So, um, so yeah, HubSpot partners and HubSpot customers, that's kind of my, uh, my two customer types. And, um, and when we talk about the... The customers themselves, they, they typically fall into what you would consider a good fit for a, a HubSpot. So that would be like B2B companies with uh, long, complex sales cycles, typically more um, high price points when it comes to the products and um, often within B2B uh, SaaS uh, manufacturing, just because it's uh, it's really good fit, uh, good, good fit businesses typically. You picked up a lot of experience being at HubSpot for um, best part of two years. And I know you relocated to the Netherlands only because you couldn't stay located at the HubSpot office. So that meant then heading into freelance. I think it's a credit to you that partners are using you. You mentioned um, Platinum, Diamond, Elite level partners. So these are organizations that already have deep HubSpot expertise and they're bringing you in to strengthen their team. So you're, um, you're like the, uh, the chef's chef. Uh, as I like to think of it. And um, so therefore the skills that they know that you bring in are really solid. So the problem that you're solving for the partners is bringing those skills in. Let's talk about the customer situations then of where they're bringing you in of the typical problems that the customer is trying to solve that gets you involved to help figure that out. What does that look like? 
Yeah, good question. Um, so when we talk about the, the partners, um, the role I typically kind of uh, fill here is is the, the role of a CRM consultant or like a project manager. So um, I have experience both with managing projects, CRM implementations, but I also have a lot of experience with actually setting up uh, portals myself. So my role in these, uh, these typical projects would be uh, often kind of overseeing that everything goes well, connecting the different stakeholders, aligning goals, challenges, and so on. And then might uh, maybe communicating some of these goals or requirements to a team of, of developers or implementation specialists. So kind of making sure that, you know, uh, everything is, is glued together in, in, in the right way. Um, and then some, sometimes I might also be involved in, in, in trainings or actual implementations, depending on the size of the project and, you know, who's, who's actually involved in, 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 in projects. So are these customers, man, who didn't have HubSpot and now they do, what would be the proportion of how many customers are um, brand new to HubSpot versus those who already have it and then you're being brought in to rescue? Um, I'd say around 50-50. When I work with partners, it's mainly uh, like in uh, net new HubSpot implementations. But in some cases, we also uh, see existing HubSpot customers who just, they're not getting the value that they want. And in, in such a case, we would typically go into kind of a, you know, understand like what is working, what isn't working, where would they like to be, you know, six to 12 months with HubSpot specifically. And then we would go in and do like an in-depth HubSpot audit. So kind of uh, connecting those goals and challenges with how the HubSpot portal is, is looking like. Um, so that might be if they say like, okay, we're actually struggling with, with generating some revenue on the back of HubSpot, then we might go in and see, okay, so how are your marketing campaigns actually performing? How are your KPIs within the HubSpot portal? compared to industry standards and, and benchmarks. And we can kind of see, okay, where, where should we, what should we address within your HubSpot environment to actually start to solve some of these business challenges? Because that's really what we want to focus on, right? The business challenges. And, and nobody cares too much about, you know, if a property is a dropdown or something else, they care kind of, you know, how can this, how can this impact the business in a, in a, in a meaningful way? So yeah, 50-50 when it comes to net new implementations and then also kind of going in and, and cleaning up uh, what has been done or maybe even what, what hasn't been done in, in many cases. That's great. We'll, we'll look both of those today then of customers who have HubSpot and are not getting the value that they expected or wanted. And then those who are net new to HubSpot that are just beginning, they're in the, uh, they're in the honeymoon period of just getting started. So uh, where should we start, Mads? If you can think of a real world example of a situation, either um, an end user who already had HubSpot and wasn't getting the value out of it, or one who was starting their journey, which is the first one that comes to mind that we can explore? Um, let's, let's do the first one. Uh, I have a couple of good, good examples there. Um, a client of mine, uh, a European uh, software company, B2B, they had been using HubSpot for a couple of years, really, um, and they're paying HubSpot for about ten thousand euros a, a quarter, um, and and yeah, so a, a pretty pretty decent HubSpot HubSpot customer, right? But I'd say the the value that they're really getting out of HubSpot is is not much more than they would get out of Google Sheets and you know a good old fashioned one to one Google email. So there was really a, a lot to kind of uh, uh, improve here. Um, so I've been working with those for better part of, of one year now to kind of identify what was the initial goals with HubSpot and then kind of break those goals um, 
break those goals into kind of a bite-sized and more manageable tasks. And at the same time, also going in and addressing, okay, how was HubSpot initially set up and, and what needs to be improved? Um, and this is quite a, quite a common use case of a company using HubSpot for a lot of time, initially onboarded by HubSpot, maybe just on, you know, professional onboarding. So a couple of calls with maybe a more junior uh, onboarding specialist from HubSpot, and then they were kind of, you know, left to their own demise. Um, and it's a bit, you know, like, uh, like, like getting a car, you need the driving license first, and not just the driving license. You also need, you know, proper training. Otherwise the chances of you kind of crashing and burning is just, uh, it's just very high. And I think HubSpot is a, is a great example of this. It's a, because HubSpot kind of employs like a freemium um, strategy still, right? So that means the, the barrier of entry or the, to become a HubSpot customer, it's really, you know, it's very easy. You can even come in and use the free software where no onboarding is required and then you can scale with the platform. But that doesn't necessarily mean that your competencies uh, scales with your need. So that, that's what we often see um, that customers may have gotten, you know, some light touch onboarding and no onboarding at all. Been using HubSpot for a couple of years and then this kind of technical death has just been building up. And then you kind of need someone to go in and really, really kind of, you know, clean up what's going on and, uh, and get things back on, on track again. So the situation with this European client, they had been through that buildup of technical debt uh, by the sound of that. But you said that they weren't getting the value that they expected from the platform. So wave a magic wand, if they were getting the value from HubSpot, what would HubSpot be doing for them that it wasn't? Well, as a, as a specific example, they have a really, really big database of a, a lot of really uh, good fit accounts. Um, but the way that they are managing these accounts is um, probably not in, in, the, in the most ideal way. Um, again, they have a very big database, but the way they're tapping into this database is, is basically just using kind of, you know, one-off sales emails where they would be able to extract a lot of value, for example, out of the account-based marketing tools to really identify their ideal uh, customer type or ideal target account type, and then kind of identify which companies within our database of approximately 40,000 contacts would actually be, you know, someone we want to chase. So here they might, you know, uh, start deploying HubSpot uh, tools, but also uh, account-based marketing as a methodology to kind of target those, those, uh, those companies. And, uh, and secondly, um, because they are, you know, making use of professional enterprise products, they also have a lot of, lot of power uh, kind of at hand when it comes to email marketing or automation, which would also allow them to kind of tap into this very big database in an efficient way. Um, so on one hand, have this kind of, you know, like sniper approach with the account-based marketing. On the other hand, kind of maybe uh, utilize uh, some of the automation and email marketing as kind of a little bit more, you know, spray and pray, spray and pray approach. I think that's a great example because you do see customers quite often will say, look, I feel like I should be getting more value from the, the platform. And often it's, it, it is that situation where, they know there's more value in their existing customers that they already have on file. They don't need to go and find strangers. They know who these customers are. And it's about how do I use these powerful tools? So if they started trying to solve that themselves and they made some mistakes, what mistakes did they make that you think are pretty typical of the sort of things that customers often make with HubSpot? Um. Yeah, I think one of the, the, the biggest ones is that, you know, once a, a customer has decided to invest in, in HubSpot, they often see it as kind of like a, you know, like a monthly investment in the, in the software alone. 
but I think they they kind of undercommit when it comes to to the necessary training, or they don't kind of quite realize you know how much it actually takes to successfully manage a big enterprise portal. And unfortunately, you know, I see a lot of lot of companies you know paying HubSpot a lot of money every month. But then kind of, you know, maybe not valuing the product or the capabilities that much. So they start to maybe uh, uh, give the responsibility of the HubSpot portal to an intern or like a student assistant who maybe on a technical level is, is you know, you know uh, skilled enough to kind of, you know, send out an email and understand how to set up a workflow. But I think on a more strategic level, they, they just don't have the experience or the exposure necessary to understand how a platform like HubSpot can really kind of enable growth within a business and really support reaching some of these, you know, uh, big, big, uh, big business goals or solving some of the bigger, bigger business challenges. Um, so that's, that's where I think that's, that's what I see quite often. And also uh, something I, I hate, hate to kind of point out, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's very important to, to acknowledge that um, you need someone who, who knows what they're doing and who has the kind of the skills and exposure to understand how can they leverage a platform like HubSpot for, for growing the business? And deriving value from it. It sounds like this customer made that common mistake that the tool set was coming in and it was very powerful and should allow them to do a lot of things. But then without the investment in the training and also the delegating of tasks to people who were then just trying to figure out tactical steps, that they didn't map out the strategy, didn't map out the platform. And that's become the title of our episode today. So you've been helping that customer to put their HubSpot and CRM strategy together. So what have you actually specifically done then, Mads? Is, uh, how, how have you tackled that and how's it working out? Um, yeah, so how I've tackled this specific client is, is how I often tackle these, these kind of uh, uh, cases is to kind of take a few steps back. Again, understand the business you know, who are the customers, what are they selling, understand how the sales process looks like, how they're generating leads and so on. And basically use all of this, all of this information to kind of map out the entire customer journey within like a CRM blueprint. So how is the current customer journey? What are the potential bottlenecks, opportunities, pain points, so on, to kind of understand, okay, what's working, what isn't working, so that we later know, you know, what should we actually focus on when it comes to the implementation, which tools what kind of approach would actually make sense for this specific uh, customer? Um, so based on this uh, blueprint, which is like a visual blueprint, like a you know, like the good old fashioned like roadmap, or like a, if you've seen those uh, you know spy movies, you, you'll see like a big blueprint with you know white lines all over the place, and uh, that that's kind of how it looks like. Um, and and the value of this this approach, I think, is is first of all, everybody kind of gets on the same page. It's it's very clear visually also what is working, what isn't working, where in the process might there be some friction points we can address. And then after the implementation, the, the value of this blueprint also makes it much easier to align the team as a whole, uh, onboard new team members because you have something to actually show them. Um, so I think as for our implementation or a cleanup, it's it's crucial, but even for you know future onboardings of new employees it's it's great um so that would be kind of step one understanding the the current processes and maybe also adding to that which technologies are they using and what are they using them for to potentially explore if hubspot could replace some of these and if not do we need to have an integration if so how does this integration need to look like how do we want to sync the data what's the role of integration and so on um, and this would typically also be where I would maybe like a contract 
a developer or have a developer in my team who could then facilitate any integrations that would need to be uh, be set up. So that's kind of the, the strategic phase where we map out the, the processes and integration needs. Then next, we would then be able to move into the actual implementation or cleanup of an existing portal. Um, depending on the size of the company and kind of their goals and also the timeline, this might either be kind of, you know, like a rip off the bandage and get, you know, everything done in a couple of couple of months, or it might be phased where we do, you know, one hop per quarter or something like that. Um, ideally, I like to do everything at once so that we kind of have, you know, what we have to work with and who is involved. Um, and then we would typically start with like, yeah, the marketing hub, just because that's typically where the, the buying journey would start. Some kind of engagement with, you know, the website or ads or whatnot. And then we would do the implementation, break down the implementation into, you know, concrete tasks using like project management tools like Asana or ClickUp to make sure that ownership is clear and what needs to be done is, is also clear and, and, and the timeline and, and due date for those tasks is, is clear to everyone. And then we kind of, you know, have like a very, like a military approach to this, just, you know, go through the, the goals, the subtask one by one. And then typically by the end of an implementation, uh, there would be training of the end users, but also kind of the, the power users. So that would be like a, you know, like a marketing manager or like a CRM admin so that everybody kind of has a, a base level understanding for how HubSpot works and how they can utilize it in their day-to-day -day work. But that we also have a couple of, you know, power users who can take on the role as a, as a qualified HubSpot admin going forward so that they, in a couple of years, they won't end up with this technical debt that we, we spoke a bit about. And um, that most importantly, that they will also be self-sufficient so they don't have to rely on outsourcing to agencies or freelancers, but they can actually build this and manage it uh, themselves within the business. I think that model works uh, works really well, and, and also where I see you know customers being really happy because we don't just do it for them; we also teach them how to do it. Yeah, that's a, a great timeline then of how you approach working with this customer, which is pretty typical of, uh, of most situations where they already have HubSpot and you're coming in to solve the technical debt. Uh, we like getting into a bit of the good, the bad, and the ugly on this show, Maz, with the real stories. So, in this customer situation. What has happened that has hindered your progress? What is it about the engagement with the customer that has made it a little harder to move as fast on certain things than you would have liked? Yeah, great, great question. I think uh, it's it's always an issue, kind of you know balancing balancing like short term goals with long term aspirations. And um, this is kind of a big project for this client and from for myself as well. Um, and it's not something we're going to get done in, in a couple of months. It might be like a six months project that's going to be ongoing, but at the same time, there are a lot of, you know, like day-to-day -day activities, something very basic as just sending out an, a, a newsletter that still needs to be managed. Um, and they might, you know, want to do, let's take the newsletter, for example, they might want to do it the way that they've been doing it previously. But in this specific case, that was just not the right way to do it. So it's kind of, you know, kind of, you know, problem solving and, you know, putting out fires immediately while still kind of having the, uh, or maintaining kind of their long-term vision for, for where they actually want to be. So kind of, you know, balancing the, the time and, and, and the focus. Um, I think that's, that's a little bit of a challenge. So needing a balance then to uh, have both the, the lights on low beam and on high beam. So you can look at the immediate things that are causing problems today, but also to make sure that there's a healthy mix of um, the, the big long-term things. So in that engagement, what would you say has gone best so far and why has it gone best what what are the things that are going to have the 
maximum upside impact on the, them getting much more value out of their HubSpot? Yeah, um, good question. So, so this actually just came up a couple of weeks ago, and this is even after talking to the client for months. But we we identified some some potential opportunities within their onboarding process. So they are today only using HubSpot for marketing and sales, and then anything kind of a post sales. So with onboarding success and so on, that happens in in other tools. Um, and initially they were quite happy with this, but then we kind of you know explored or probed a bit, like would it be possible to actually kind of replicate this process within HubSpot? And then over the, the last week or so, we've basically been kind of piloting the onboarding process within HubSpot. Um, and so far, it seems like that's actually going to be working really well, which means that they will be able to extract a lot more value out of HubSpot to get some uh, return on their investment, but also be able to, to cut costs on the, on the tools like Safasana, which they're paying uh, also, uh, I think, like 600 euros a month for um, so, so that's that's a kind of like uh, the, the success stories or the the wins that I like to, to pursue, where we get something that's very concrete and quantifiable uh, in terms of you know saving costs or adding efficiency. Um, so I think that that's a, that's a pretty good use case or kind of a success case. I think that's a good example of technical debt as well as that they've become reliant on the Asana tool for the onboarding, which in itself is a great tool. But now they have this HubSpot, so consolidating from that tool into HubSpot. Have you needed to solve that with any integrations as well then, Mads, of adding to HubSpot? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the power of HubSpot is that it's, you know, it's, uh, it can do a lot of things, but it's it, in some some cases, it's also its weakness because it can do a lot of things, but it can't do everything really well. So I think there's there's often a need to uh, to integrate with, with HubSpot. Um, especially when we are talking maybe like calling or quoting or reporting. So these may be, may be a, a less advanced features in HubSpot. Whenever those are utilized, for example, if you have like a, a like a big sales team or a big service team, so there's a lot of outbound and also inbound calling, that's typically where HubSpot would fall short and where we would need to explore solutions like Aircall or, or Kixi to kind of understand, okay, is there a better alternative for, in this case, in, inbound calling and likewise, also when we talk about reporting, I think uh, the reporting side in, in HubSpot still has a, a you know, a, a long, uh, uh, qu- quite a quite a bit of uh, room for improvement. Um, so there we might explore tools like uh, Dialuzi, who is kind of like a, a software company focusing only on building these very advanced and, and beautiful uh, sales dashboards, and has an, a nice integration with with HubSpot. So. As you get into you know uh, conversations with you know bigger teams with more advanced needs, that's uh, you know integrations will always come in, into play there. So that's some of the favourites that you've mentioned. So we might do another episode because I know uh, calling and messaging is a key area of expertise for you, Baz, as it is also on the proposal and, and bidding and, and quoting side and uh, and then reporting as well. So uh, each of those is probably an episode in its own right. Um, what would you uh, as as a I guess as a final piece of advice then, because I, I think the example that you've explored there of a customer who already is, has HubSpot is good advice for the ones who are about to put HubSpot in. Don't fall into that trap of, of uh, lacking the training and just delegating the tool out thinking it's going to do the job. Make sure there's a, there's a plan in place. So the final tip, what would be your, um, your main advice to someone who's about to begin their HubSpot journey? What's the most important thing that they probably aren't going to do, but you really want them to. 
I really like the term uh, uh, measure twice, cut once. And I think that really applies well to, to CRM implementations. Um, you know, you might just be, you know, uh, been using the starter tools of HubSpot or you might be on HubSpot for startups. So you get 90% discount on the enterprise package. And you think if I only pay 400 euros a month, why would I pay, you know, 10, 15 or more thousand euros for an implementation? Um, I, I'd say don't, uh, don't fall into to that hole. Uh, do things right from the beginning. Take the time it takes and uh, don't underinvest in the training and, and user adoption, which is, I think, statistically the biggest reason why serial implementations fail. Uh, users don't adopt the tool or, or they don't use it properly. So measure twice, cut once, and get your plan together and the, the, make sure the training is in place and then get yeah. the, uh, the the team to then adopt it, but in, in clever clever ways and not misuse the tool, like pick up a screwdriver and use it as a hammer, which um, I see often being done in that <laughs> as uh, you do too. Um, fantastic, yeah. Matt. Well, thank you for being with us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and in exploring that particular situation, which is typical of many. What's the best way for people to connect with you, Mads? Yeah, thanks, Peter. Pleasure talking as, as always. Um, yeah, so they can connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, as you said, my name is Mads Jorgensen. Um, they can check out who I am and you know what I focus on. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's about it. Fantastic. So we'll have links to that and uh, links to your listing on our Hubdo Marketplace where we feature the work that you do as well. So uh, I'll catch you soon, Maz. Thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Pete. See ya.